Let's, let's start this evening in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we will be, we will be moving about through the scriptures this evening, just a little Sunday evening Bible study to encourage your hearts, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, 1 Corinthians 3, and let's pray together. Our Father, we are so thankful that you sent your beloved Son into this world to suffer and bleed and die on the cross to satisfy your righteous demands that sin be paid for. And we're so thankful that we've been offered eternal life through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the Bible, that you have given us your word. You've provided us with this lamp to our feet and light to our path, and we so thank you for it. I pray, Father, tonight that you'd help me to speak the truth and help us uh, all to have ears and hearts willing to hear the truth, receive the truth. And I pray, Father, you'd help me to, uh, to speak in a way with an attitude that is pleasing to you and help us all to respond to your word in a way that is pleasing to you. And, Lord, if we leave tonight and, and you have enjoyed our church service it, it won't, nothing could be any better than that. that. That's what we hope for tonight, Father. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Bible says here in 1 Corinthians 3, this passage we teach from with regard to the judgment seat of Christ, we're not going that direction this evening. Verse number 10, according to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you tonight about our foundation, and this really follow up on our message from this morning. I, I, I think that uh, a lot of Christians over the last uh, four years in particular, uh, maybe, maybe longer some of us, I think a lot of Christians had one foot on Christ and one foot on conservative politics for their hope and their assurance for time and, and for the future. And I believe a lot of saved people began to, to shift their weight from faith in the Word of God to faith in a man or a group of men or a government or a moving in America and as we said this morning, this week is the great reset. We're trying to get our, our orientation back and our focus back on our profession of faith, which is that our only sure and certain hope has always been and will ever be the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says there's no other foundation upon which Christians are to build. That We just read that. But I want you to see three things about the verse before we begin to, begin to uh, flip and go to other places. That, that 11th verse says, I have laid the foundation, or 10th verse says, I have laid the foundation. Verse 11 says, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Notice the wording. The foundation is laid. It is not being laid. It is not being renovated. It is not being altered. There are not several. There is one foundation, and that foundation has been in place for 20 centuries now. We shouldn't be trying to figure out what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, 
What, what will be the, the, the rock upon which we anchor our faith, our assemblies, our, our fellowship, our evangelism? That's been taken care of a long, long time ago. Anybody still confused about, about the proper place to build and how to build and where to build a life is not reading God's Word. Secondly, the foundation is Jesus Christ. It's not a particular church. It's not a denomination of churches. It's not even a particular doctrine that one church holds or one group of churches hold. The foundation is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we want to believe the right things about him in order to be saved. And after being saved, we want to believe the right things about him. But many people hold an orthodox set of beliefs who are not saved. And many people who are saved have some crazy ideas doctrinally after they get saved. But thank the Lord, salvation is not passing a Bible exam before or after you come to Christ. Salvation is a matter of being found in Christ. Hallelujah. And then notice that the Bible is is very clear on this. Men did not lay this foundation. But men do build upon this foundation. And not, not some saved people. Notice in verse number 12. Now if any man build upon this foundation. Verse 13. Every man's work should be made manifest. Verse 14. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon. Verse 15. If any man's work. Everyone who desires salvation can be saved. We believe that. And everyone who desires to get involved in the work of building on this foundation may get involved in building on the work of the, uh, the building work on this foundation. Thank God. Thank the Lord. So we thank God for that. Now, I, I don't want to be condescending and I don't want to talk down to anybody, but I, I have to show you biblically what, what God considers a foundation to be. Because it'll be important as we as we move forward this evening. So come with me to Exodus chapter nine. We'll give you four examples here. Exodus chapter number nine and verse number eighteen, I believe. Let's get there. Yes, Exodus chapter nine and verse number eighteen. Behold, tomorrow about this time I will cause it to rain a very grievous hail. Such as hath not been in Egypt since the foundation thereof, even until now. Now, now don't everybody say, duh, at once when I say this. The foundation of Egypt is a particular point in time. There's no Egypt, now there's an Egypt. That, see how deep that is? What's the, what's the foundation? It's the point in time at which Egypt began. Show you another one, e- equally profound. Joshua chapter number six. Joshua chapter number six. And the walls of Jericho are going to come a tumbling down. You know that song, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, right? Right. And if you if you grew up in the sixties, you know that you can't get enough of that sugar crisp, sugar crisp. Sugar. <laughs> Josh. Same song, different meanings. Joshua 6, verse 26. And Joshua jured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord, 
that riseth up and buildeth this city Jericho, he shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it. So the walls of Jericho are going are to crash down. The city is ruined. It's destroyed. It's over. It's done. Now, if there's ever going to be a new Jericho, it will have a point in time when there's no Jericho, now there's a Jericho. What will mark the beginning of Jericho? That will be the day in which the foundation of that city is laid. That's, that's the starting point. Um, one more here. We'll, we'll, we'll skip another one. Uh, skip the first king's reference to the building of the temple. Uh, the foundation stones were laid there, so we'll look at that in a little bit. Psalm number 102. Let's go there. Psalm 102. We believe in creation. If you don't believe in creation, I have to ask you why that you do maintenance on your car and on your house. Why don't you just let it evolve and repair itself? Psalm number 102. Speaking of God, the Bible says in verse number 25, Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. We believe that. Praise God. God built it. But look, there's a time... When there's no heavens, then God made the heavens. There's a time when there's no earth, then God made the earth. What is the the point at which the earth, the heavens began? It's called in the Bible, the foundation. Point in time in which a nation, Egypt, began. It's called the foundation. Point in time when a city would begin, Jericho in, in one particular case. It's called the foundation. Now what does that mean? Why, why do we run those verses? Because if the Bible says the foundation of the church is Jesus Christ, then the church is not a continuation of Israel. Then the church is not a second run at building a Jewish kingdom. Then the church doesn't start with, forgive me, it doesn't start with prophets or kings or John the Baptist or apostles pre-Calvary, the foundation of the church is Jesus Christ himself. The church cannot predate Jesus Christ, or you have violated the biblical meaning of foundation. We, we okay with that? All right, because, and, and because 2,000 years later, you still got... All of these denominations of professing Christians who are trying to fit Christianity into a Levitical priesthood or sacrifices and offerings or the waving of incense or bringing in a kingdom and setting up a theocracy on the earth. All of these things, if you, if you break down most of the false religions or or erring denominations that we teach against in our, in our Bible colleges, and our, our, our Bible institutes, all of them are trying to be Jews with Jesus sprinkled on top. Jesus Christ is not the roof on the Old Testament building. He's the foundation of a New Testament building. Something entirely different. Now, now let, me, let me illustrate that from Scripture. Come with me to Isaiah 28. And Ephesians chapter 2. Let's get both of those together. Isaiah chapter 28. And Ephesians chapter number 2. Isaiah 28 and Ephesians 2. We had preaching this morning. We had an altar call this morning. 
We had baptism this morning. Tonight, we're just going to study the Bible together and, and enjoy God's Word. Isaiah chapter 28, and let's start at verse number 15. Wherefore, or 14, 14, wherefore hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. Because ye have said, we made a covenant with death, and with hell are we at agreement. You, you know what Jerusalem is? That's the city of God. Their king David had a covenant with God. Their patriarch Abram had a covenant with God. They've been in a covenant relation of one form or another with God for centuries. They got tired of that. They didn't like the rules. They didn't like the regulations. They didn't like the diet. They didn't like the clothing. They didn't like the the, the strict mandates that were placed upon them. So they decided... Let's make a covenant with death and with hell. We'll live like the devil and the devil won't bother us. We'll live in sin and never have to pay the wages of sin. That's how far gone the people we would identify as God's chosen covenant people. That's how far they went into apostasy and into sin. They made a covenant with death and with hell. And uh, with hell, are we in agreement? God says, when the overflowing scourge shall pass through... It should not come unto us. That's what they thought. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Isn't that a mess? Nothing bad's going to happen to us, because we're friends with lies. This is going to turn out great, because we're buddies with falsehood. Isn't that strange? Get out there and preach on the street sometime. Go out there knocking on doors and run into a bunch of, bunch of teenagers, a bunch of college students. You know what they'll say? Satan rules. Ha, 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 ha. I'm going to go to hell and party with my friends. You know what they think? They think they've made a deal with the devil so they, weren't, they won't burn. It's, it's, old, it's old stuff. It's old stuff. Now, notice at the end of verse 15, you don't have a period. You have a double period. You call that a colon. It's a double period. What that means, see the, see the period on top of the period? That means in front of this punctuation mark is a complete sentence, but it can't stand alone. And after this punctuation mark is a complete sentence, but it can't stand alone. So the colon means we have two complete sentences, but they're inseparable. So God says, because you have done this, next verse, therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth should not make haste. All right, you see why we ran the verses on a foundation? It's a starting place. God said to his covenant people, he gave them patriarchs, he gave them the law, he gave them prophets, he gave them sacrifices, he gave them altars, he gave them a temple, he gave them kings, he gave them blessings, he gave no other, no other nation, and he said, you have pushed me so far, I'm going to start something new. Come on, do you, you see that? I'm going to lay a foundation. I'm going to lay a cornerstone. I'm going to start something new. 
brother, sister, I, I'm not, I'm probably preaching to people that are, that are all on board, but you're not part of an earthly kingdom. You're not trying to get your man on the throne at Jerusalem so we can have peace on earth. You're not, you're, you're not required to keep feast days and Sabbath days and new moons and thank the Lord. Why? Because God did something brand new. And yet when he said that, he said, I'm going to do it. But he's so gracious, he's so patient, he's so merciful that it's hundreds of years before he does what he says he's going to do. Now, come to your Bible to Ephesians chapter number 2. Let's see if the Bible identifies for us this foundation. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, verse 19, Now therefore ye, that's you, that's me, we were Gentiles who can't read the whole chapter tonight. You're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Here it is. Jesus Christ himself being the chief corner stone. How about that? You know, all the building fitly framed together groweth up, uh, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for, the, for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Now look at that. God said, I'm going to lay a new foundation. New Testament says that foundation, Jesus Christ. I'm going to set up a chief cornerstone. New Testament says chief cornerstone is Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. When you got saved, you weren't put into Judaism, you weren't put into Baptistism, you weren't put into Protestantism, you weren't put into political, uh, conservative political politics. Far, far better. You were put into Jesus Christ Himself. Praise the Lord. Isn't that better than saying here saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm a Gentile and I'm a stranger, but uh, if they'll let me, I'll come and celebrate some of their festivals down there at Jerusalem. And, and I'm a foreigner, but if they'll let me, I'll, I'll, proselyte, I'll be a proselyte and I'll kind of try to join in their religion. Thank God I don't have to do any of that. No need, no benefit if I did. But I'm built upon that very foundation that God laid and that foundation is said to be Jesus Christ. Now, keep that verse right there, and I'm going to show you one with it. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter number 6. What is this foundation? So it's Jesus Christ. Yeah, but it's interesting. The exact wording of that Ephesians verse, and we'll look at it again in just a second. Hebrews 6 verse 1. Therefore, Leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to, under perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. Now, now this is real interesting to me. My job to make it real interesting to you. We're going to give it a shot. The doctrine of Christ is said to be the foundation just as surely as the person of Christ is said to be the foundation. 
Now, why is that important? Look, look, look with, uh, with Hebrews 6. Look back at that Ephesians verse, verse number 20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, now watch this. So, down from heaven comes the beloved Son of God. Praise the Lord. He lives three and a half, uh, 33 and a half years, three of those years, maybe three and a half years, public ministry. So he's preaching and he's teaching, praise God. And he's working miracles and signs and wonders, praise God. And then when it comes time to go to the cross, his apostles and his disciples don't believe he's going to the cross because they're looking for a Messiah to overthrow Rome and set up an earthly kingdom. Yeah, oh yeah, I heard that somewhere. Well, let's hear it again. Peter, here's the plan. We're going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed in the hands of sinners. I'm going to die. And the third day I'm going to rise again. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him and said, it's not going to happen. Why? It wasn't Peter's plan. Peter's He's out of line. The morning of Christ's resurrection, the women went to the tomb to to put spices on the body to slow the the decomposition of of Jesus' body in the tomb. They weren't out there with noisemakers and pom-poms and signs to cheer his resurrection. They went out there to make his death, forgive me, Less offensive. But he's dead in their minds. They find the tomb, stones rolled away, the tomb's empty. The angel said he's not here but risen. They go back and tell the 11, what? Apostles. And the Bible says, and they believed them not. The, the men that walked with Jesus, worked with Jesus, preached for Jesus for three and a half years, did not believe he was going to die for the, on the cross. And when he did, they did not believe he was going to rise from the dead. None of those men are qualified to be our foundation. Those men collectively are not qualified to be our foundation. And John the Baptist, bless his heart, if, if the record God gave us of what John preached, none of it involves the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for anybody's sins. So, Peter, pre-Calvary, has a Jesus. John the Baptist, pre-Calvary, has a Jesus. James, John, Thomas, Bartholomew, pre-Calvary, have a Jesus. That Jesus who doesn't die and doesn't rise from the dead but sets up a kingdom is not your foundation. All right, today, today, don't don't be offended. The Mormons have a Jesus. He's the spirit brother of Lucifer. He won the fight in heaven, so he gets to be the god of this planet, and Satan has to be the bad guy. And if you sided with, if your spirit sided with Satan in heaven when you're born, you're black or Hispanic. And if you sided with Jesus in the battle up in heaven, your soul gets to be born white. That's what Joseph Smith taught before it became politically incorrect. They have a Jesus. The Jehovah's Witnesses have a Jesus. He's a sinner like you, just not as big a sinner as you are. He's just a man. You, you understand what we're saying? Islam believes in Jesus. So the Bible says this foundation 
is Jesus Christ the chief cornerstone, and then the doctrine of Christ, Hebrews 6, as set forth by the apostles and prophets who gave us our New Testament. Somebody nod your head, please. That's our foundation. Well, I just believe in Jesus. Everybody believes in Jesus. It, it does you no good to believe in your Jesus, or my Jesus, or a cult's Jesus, or a denomination's Jesus. Who is Jesus Christ according to the Bible God gave us through the apostles and prophets entrusted by the Holy Spirit to write it down? That's our foundation. And we build our lives and our churches and our schools and our missionary programs on that Jesus from this book. Praise the Lord. And at the judgment seat of Christ, if you read the passage, and maybe we'll go back and read it before we wrap up, there's, there's no reward given for having a big pile of stuff. There's no reward given for having a successful pile of stuff. There's no reward given, a big reward because a lot of people knew who you were, and a small reward because not many people knew who you were. You know what he said? What did you build on the foundation? I'll reward you for that. And what did you build in the vacant lot next door? I'm going to burn that up. You're not going to get rewarded for doing great things. You're going to get rewarded for honoring Jesus Christ with what you did. Not your church, not your ministry, not your denomination, not yourself. He's the foundation. You move that foundation from Jesus Christ to your favorite preacher, that's wood, hay, and stubble. You move your ministry from Jesus Christ onto something you're doing in the name of Jesus Christ, that's wood, hay, and stubble. You labor for 50 years on a mission field for the honor and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you die with three or four converts, God's not counting noses. He's counting every day that you built on the right foundation. Instead of saying, this isn't working, let's bring in tribal religion and mix it with Jesus. And now look, we got a big crowd. That's a bonfire. Honestly, we we got this whole idea that God's blessing our church. Look at all the people. Well, then God's really blessing the NFL, the Kneeling Felons League. Because they got a lot of people. He's blessing the NBA. Not born again. (laughs) Look, we can do things to get people. But if we're trying to build something on the vacant lot next door, it's, it's pointless at the judgment seat of Christ. All right, now let's let's move ahead here because I really want to get into the stuff that, that is, is a blessing to me because all that's just factual and what do I get out of it? <laughs> kind of kidding. Look at 1 Kings 7. 1 Kings 7. I would very much like to have been present when Solomon's temple was built to see that massive structure being 
put in place piece by piece without tools being used on the job site. You know those stones were cut. Well, let's just read it together. 1 Kings 7, verse number 9. All these were of costly stones. I'm I'm sorry, I'm in Solomon's house here, but that's okay. It'll it'll follow. It'll, it'll, It'll match. All these were costly stones according to the measures of huge stones, sawed with saws within and without, even from the foundation of the coping and so on the outside toward the great court. And the foundation was of costly stones of ten cubits and stones of eight cubits. And above were costly stones after the measures of huge stones and cedars. And the great court round about was with three rows of huge stones and a row of cedar beams, both in the court of the house of the Lord and for the porch of the house. Okay, so that, that yeah, where, where we want to be, that's the, that's the right building there. Okay, so look, these stones are hewn out of the ground by workers. They are cut to the exact shape and size they need to be, and they're taken to this building and they are fitly framed together, formed, taken out of the pit, formed off-site, then brought on-site, fitly framed together so they're on the foundation and joined to the chief cornerstone. And what an amazing building that was. Show you another one. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. And let's look at verse number, no, 21, I'm sorry, Revelation 21, verse number 15. He talked with me and had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof and the city lieth four square and the length is as large as the breadth. He measured the city uh, with a reed, 12,000 furlongs. They tell us it's about uh, 1,500 miles long, wide, and high, big city. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof and 140 cubits and four cubits according to the measure of a man. That is of the angel. That's a big, giant, wide wall. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper. And the city was pure gold like unto clear glass. Woohoo! That's New Jerusalem. So, let me get off track. Let's get off track. When Jesus appeared to Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus Road, it, the, the light, it was, it was noonday, and Jesus Christ, not the noonday sun, Jesus Christ knocked Paul's eyes out. How about that? Second coming of Christ, the Bible says Psalm 19 is like the sun rising in the morning. 2 Samuel 23, it's like the sun coming up into the high into the sky, that light. So, in, in the New Jerusalem Bible says, there's no need of the sun, no need of the moon, for the Lamb is the light thereof, right? So, Jesus Christ is in that city. That city has walls that are like glass. And that city is the size of the eastern United States. Now, you know how they work a lighthouse? They put a light in a tower and reflect it off glass to magnify the light and send it out across the sea. 
When that new Jerusalem comes down from God out of heaven with Christ, the light of the world, sitting on that throne and the light of his glory shining out through those glass walls of that new Jerusalem, the sun can take the rest of the day off. Because nobody's ever going to worship the sun as God again. You know what Malachi calls Jesus Christ? The sun, capital S-U-N, of righteousness. Anyway, anyway, this city, let's get back to the, the matter at hand here. Uh, verse number 19, the foundation of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was Jasper, the second Sapphire, the third Chalcedony, the fourth Emerald, the fifth Sardonyx, the sixth Sardius, the seventh Chrysolite, the eighth Burl, the ninth Topaz, the tenth uh, Chrysophorus, the eleventh Adjacent, and the twelfth Amethyst. All right, some of you young fellows are in Bible Institute, and you're praying about being in the ministry, so a practical lesson right here. You see how I pronounce those words? Confidently. That means everybody thinks I said them right. So you come to a word in the Bible, and you don't know how to pronounce it, don't stutter, don't slow down, just put it out there. You ever listen to Scorby read the Bible? You know how many times he went home to his wife and said they're going to be saying it that way for years? <laughs> she says, well, is that how you pronounce it? He says, how do I know? <laughs> anyway, so here's all these precious gemstones, which makes the light coming out of that city even more incredible. There's reds and blues and greens and yellows and, and, and different shades and varieties, and, and all those lights are shooting out everywhere through the universe. Isn't that amazing? The Bible says in verse 21, 12 gates with 12 pearls. So here's what I've got. I've got a God who promised to take care of me, who paves streets with gold. Right? Who takes gigantic gemstones worth millions of dollars and sticks them in the wall for decorations. And the earth is his footstool. If the earth is the footstool, what's the rest of the living room look like? What's the front porch look like? I'm telling you, that's a great and mighty God. That's who's taking care of you. But, but here, look, here's the point. So, see those stones in that temple back there in Jerusalem in Solomon's day? That's quite a situation. See those stones and those walls of the New Jerusalem? That's quite a situation. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Hang on to that. 1 Peter chapter number 2. And look at verse number 4. To whom coming? Have you come to Christ? As unto a living stone. Praise God. Do you know the chief cornerstone of the New Testament church differs from the chief cornerstone of Solomon's temple and the gemstones in the walls of the New Jerusalem in this regard? He's a living stone. He's a living stone. That's what the Bible says. Keep reading. Disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also, as lively stones, 
are built up a spiritual household. He preached to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Oh, so there's confirmation with a cross-reference that the chief cornerstone is Jesus Christ. See that? Well, let me show you what you missed. So they go out in the quarry. They, they cut these giant stones and they lift them out of the quarry and then they shape them to size and then they transport them to the building site in Jerusalem and they fitly frame them together into that building and they're joined now to the other stones, joined to the foundation and joined to the chief cornerstone and when they're in that quarry, they're dead. And when they're on that cart, they're dead. And when they're slid into that wall, they're dead. But it's a beautiful building. It's just the whole thing's dead. In the New Jerusalem, God takes dead jasper and puts dead emeralds and rubies and sapphires in the wall. And when he does, it's a beautiful wall of beautiful rocks and it's dead. And then God sends a chief cornerstone down out of heaven who is alive forevermore. And when he digs you out of the quarry and shapes you to fit your place and slides you into a place where you're fitly framed together, you're joined to all the other stones and joined to the foundation. And when you hit that chief cornerstone, his life moves through that building and makes you alive. Isn't that amazing? We are living stones. That's what he said, lively stones, because we have been brought into communion with and joined with the living chief cornerstone. You know that man from Ethiopia? He went to the temple of God in the city of God on the mountain of God to worship God. And on the way home, he was as dead as he was when he left Africa. And then Philip joined himself to that chariot and from Isaiah 53 preached unto him Jesus. And that man received life that day that he couldn't get. He couldn't get in the temple of God in the city of God, on the mountain of God. Beautiful building, but every stone in it's dead. Now, you know what people say, and, and I'm not, I, look, I'm not finding fault, but we go out, we say, we, we take out a gospel tract, we say, can I talk to you, would you like to go to heaven when you die? Can I, can I let you in all of something? Everybody's going to go to heaven. They might be saved and go to heaven, or they might go to heaven and stand at the judgment seat of Christ, or at the, at the white throne judgment. Everybody's going to go to God's dwelling place in heaven. Most of them just long enough to be judged out of the books and cast in the lake of fire. What, what, what am I saying? If you went to heaven but you didn't have Christ, you couldn't get life there. You can't get life from heaven. You can't get life from going to heaven. Come on. 
Are those stones in the walls of the New Jerusalem alive? No, they're pretty, but they're not alive. You know what people want? They want to go to church. They want to go to heaven, but they don't want to come to Christ. You know what we're supposed to preach? Not heaven, not church, Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the only living stone. And if anybody will get connected to him, the life that's in him will move through that entire building. And it will, it will animate, it will give eternal life to you. Not because you're good, but because you're joined to the chief cornerstone. Praise God. Praise God. Well, let me show you something else here. Have you been saved? Are you on that foundation? Are you joined to that chief cornerstone? Do you have life? Oh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Remember those evil men seducers we read about this morning? Well, look what else is coming our way. Verse 16, shun profane, that's secular nonsense talk, and vain babblings. Profane and vain babblings. You say, what's that? Oh, a presidential debate. Uh, For they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. They must have been some bad guys, man. He called them out by name. Who concerning the truth of urge, saying the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. So, 2,000 years ago in the early church, you had people teaching false doctrine and messing up church members. I mean, it's not a new thing. Been going a long time. Nevertheless, verse 16, profane and vain babblings, nevertheless. Verse 16, more ungodliness, nevertheless. Verse 17, words that eat like a canker, nevertheless. Verse 17, bad actors, nevertheless. Verse 18, erring from the truth, false doctrine. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Do you know how many false teachers there? You, you don't, but nobody could count how many false teachers there have been in the last 2,000 years. Nobody could count how many corrupt influencers have come into churches in the last 2,000 years. Nobody could measure all the vain and profane babbling that's been spoken and written down in the last 2,000 years. And here we are with the same doctrine and the same plan of salvation and the same Jesus Christ and the same assurance that those men had when they ran out of that upper room on the day of Pentecost and began to preach, whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know why? Because you can mess up churches and mess up people and mess up preachers and mess up countries, but you can't mess up the foundation of God. That stands sure. Hallelujah. I love our church. I love the people in our church. But I don't love the people who were in our church a year ago because a lot of them aren't there anymore. Well, I mean, I still love them, but not, not in the same way. 
Churches come and go. Church members come and go. I love our pastor. We got, we've got some people, and if I'm not there, they don't come because they, they love me, and I'm the last voice of truth in the world. I ask one of them once, so what are you going to do if I die? And she said, I'll quit going to church. I appreciate the loyalty. That's the wrong foundation. So, you know, we had some people that come in our church and they, they messed things up. They did. They did. It happens. We had some men in our church. They believed some crazy things. That, that happens. That happens. Foundation stands sure. Foundation has not been moved in all of these centuries. Look at Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter number 6. Are you saved tonight? Okay. Then are you a lively stone tonight? Are you, are you a fitly framed part of the building tonight? Yes, yes. So are you joined to the foundation tonight? Yes. Are you attached to the chief cornerstone tonight and his life has flowed right into you? Yes. So you're going to have trouble in your life? Yes. Yes. Cancers, heart attacks, layoffs, eight degrees... Elections didn't go the way you wanted to. There's a lady in our church. She is so angry with her father for voting for Joe Biden. She said she's not going to visit his grave for a year. That's, that's, that's how mad she is. Luke, Luke 6, verse 46. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not, or when I, yeah, Lord, Lord, do not things I say. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, see, building on the right foundation doesn't prevent floods. See that? And the stream beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. How about that? Now, this is a real blessing. I didn't build the house. You didn't build the house. God built the house. And I, I wondered, okay, so I, I can make this work. I can make this work biblically. The foundation, I've got that. Jesus Christ, as taught by the apostles and prophets. I, I got that. I got that. Other foundation, no man lay. I've got that. And the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ, I've got that. But it puzzled me for the longest time. How do I fit and dig deep? How do I fit that with... And then I'm looking through my friend... Larkin one night. Aha. So God takes out his shovel and he puts it in the ground and he gets a shovel full of Adam and it says innocence. And the Lord said, no, that's, that's not going to hold. And he puts that shovel in the ground and he comes up with patriarchs and he says, no, that's not going to hold. And he puts that shovel in the ground and he comes up with a law. He says, no, that's not going to hold. And he 
puts that shovel in the ground. He comes up with a kingdom. And God just kept digging and digging and digging and digging for 4,000 years until he hits something solid. It wasn't Adam. It wasn't Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It wasn't Moses. It wasn't Joshua. It wasn't David. It wasn't Isaiah or Jeremiah. It wasn't John the Baptist. He said, why, why look at there. That's my beloved son. That's something I can build on. You don't know why God took you through all those 4,000 years of dispensations in the Old Testament and then sent forth his son in the world? So you would never think that anything man devised, even with God's blessing and assistance, was a foundation that would stand the storms and the tests of time. God just dug and dug and dug and dug and said, look, see that sand, see that sand, see that sand, see that sand, see that sand. Finally got down to Jesus Christ. So there it is. That's the foundation we'll build upon. Hallelujah. Now I want you to get two verses we'll finish up this evening. Matthew 16. Matthew 16. And Luke chapter 14. Matthew chapter 16. And Luke chapter 14. The first verse you know. Matthew 16 verse 18. I say unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock. If that's the only verse you had you didn't have the rest of the Bible, I would, I would forgive you for thinking Peter was the rock. But after what you've looked at in the last half an hour, you couldn't possibly mistake Peter for the rock upon which the church is built. No, no way to do it. Thou art Peter upon this rock, I, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, don't we like that verse? See the floods in Luke? See the vehement waves and winds in Luke? See the gates of hell in Matthew? Oh, there's strong opposition to God's true church. But no prevailing opposition to God's true church. Thank the Lord. But here's what he said. I will build my church. Okay? Now look at Luke chapter 14. Luke 14, verse number 25. There were great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. I read that one time in a, in a meeting. A guy said, well, there's one verse I can live. Yeah, I, hate, I hate everybody. That's, that's, not, that's, not, that's not it. We're not going to talk about it tonight. Verse 27. And whosoever not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now look. Look at this. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it, Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin 
to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Okay, so here's what Jesus said. Before you start a building, and yours is really nice. It's a blessing. I'm, I, I'm thankful the Lord gave you this building. It's a blessing. Thankful that the heaters work. You sat down and you counted the cost. Can we afford this? It's going to be cutting it close. But we can always shave a month or two off the pastor's salary if things get tight. And we, I think we can, we can see it through. Do you know about that? You count a cost. Why? Because you don't want to lay the foundation and then have to quit. And you want people to ride by on this road for the next 10, 15 years and say, yeah, those people, they thought they were going to build a big church building and look at it, just a, just a foundation. They couldn't, they couldn't pull it off. Do you know what that Bible says? The lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. God in, in 90 A.D. took John the Apostle from a prison cell in Patmos and transported him not just through space but through time and took him into the future. And John, John beheld, and you know what he saw? He saw the saints of all the ages round about the throne of Jesus Christ praising their Lamb and praising their Redeemer. And John came back down and said, you know what? God counted the cost. The price came to the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. And He said, I can pay it. I will pay it. I'll lay that foundation at Calvary. I'll lay that foundation in the writings of my prophets and apostles. And when that church is complete, I will put it on display in heaven and show to all the world that I am the wise master builder who finished what I started. Praise the Lord. Now, I don't know if we're in the last days. I'm not going to make that mistake. I don't know if we're, we're at, the, at the door of the rapture or not. I hope we are. I hope we are. I've been looking for the rapture since the first time I heard about it. But I know this. One of these days, God is going to nail the last shingle on the roof of his house. And the whole thing is going up. And until that last shingle is put on the roof of God's house, not one stone will ever fall out of this building and lose the life that it received from the living stone that is a chief cornerstone of this church. Men might mock other men for not being able to finish something they started. They'll never mock God. If God laid the foundation, you can be sure. He counted the cost before he started and in the council chambers of heaven, the Father and the Word and the Holy Ghost said, we can cover that. And they have, and they are, and they will. Praise the Lord. So, we've got a starting place for the church. It's Jesus Christ. 
We've got a foundation for the church. It's the writings in the New Testament given to, given to save people. We've got the, the, the building blocks that make up the church. Everyone that's been brought out of the world and joined to Christ. The building blocks, unlike Solomon's temple, unlike the New Jerusalem, are alive just like their cornerstone. The foundation stands sure. It will endure every storm that ever comes our way. And what God began, He'll finish it. Being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. He's our cornerstone. He's our foundation. He's our builder. He's our preserver. He's our keeper. (laughs) Praise God. He's our all in all. Amen. Father, thank you for the truths that you've put in your Bible to encourage our hearts and fill us with confidence even in the most uncertain of times.